First off, thank you, Emily. I appreciate you doing that uh, from home. Uh, so this morning, we're, we're looking at a story from uh, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we'll, we'll look at the first nine verses, and then we'll look at 18 through 23. So Jesus tells a story, uh, and then he has a little bit to say in the middle that we're going to sort of jump over. And then he gives an ex explanation of the story. Um, and this may be a story that's familiar to you. Um, but I, I couldn't believe it when I started looking at this story. I, I looked back and realized that this is a story that Jesus tells that I've never done before. Uh, and it kind of shocked me a little bit because this is, this is sort of one of his well-known stories. Like lots of people have heard this story. Um, even some people who aren't, aren't church people uh, have heard this story or a version of it. Uh, so I'm kind of excited to do that this morning. I think I might be taking a little bit of a, a different angle on it, which is which is kind of fun. Um, I like to do that sometimes. Anyway, uh, so Matthew 13, 1 through 9, you can look on, and then 18 through 23, you can look uh, beside me here, or however you've got it. Uh, before we read, let's pray together. God, we're just grateful. Uh, grateful that we can do this in this way. Um, even though it's virtual, uh, we still feel your presence. We know that you are here and that you are with us. Uh, and for that, we say thank you. So now in these, uh, these next few moments, as we, as we enter into your word, we pray, Spirit, that you would, that you would do whatever it is you do so that we can, we can hear your voice. And we ask, oh God, that however it is that this happens, that you would change us, even if it's in, in, in just some small way. Uh, we pray for that uh, this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people just stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. So this is sort of the beginning of a section of Matthew's story of Jesus where he starts talking about this thing he calls the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He's like, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. So he starts telling them many things in parables. A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred or sixty or 30 times what was sown. If anyone has ears, let them hear. Then a little later on, he sort of explains, this is what this whole thing was about. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means, he says. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places, well, that's the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, 
He lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, well, they choke it out. They make it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It's like exponential fruit and it's amazing and beautiful. We'll go that far. So by this time in the life of Jesus, because of the things that that he'd been teaching and because of the, the miraculous things that, that he had been doing. Like he was healing people and it was amazing. He had sort of drawn a pretty significant following. Like large crowds, Matthew tells us, were, were following him around, were gathered around him. So as one does when you have large crowds following you around, you sit down by a lake in, in the boat. Now, here's the deal. Whether or not these people knew it at the time, these people were about to be taken to synagogue, like they were about to be taken to church. And Jesus was about to use this boat as his makeshift outdoor pulpit. And Matthew tells us he began teaching them all sorts of things in, in parables. Parables. Let's talk about parables just, just for a moment. Parables. Comparisons. This thing is like that thing. This thing is like that thing, their stories. We can think of them as, as sort of earthly stories that, that convey heavenly realities. Or, or maybe said better, they're earthly stories that, that are designed to connect us with what we might call ultimate reality. Like, connect us with the reality that's hidden just underneath the surface of all the things that we normally pay attention to, but it is the reality that in reality holds all things together. It's this thing that Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven. He calls it the kingdom, the kingdom of God. He told them many things in parables, stories, and here's the deal. Who doesn't love a good story? I love good stories. You love good stories, but the thing about the stories that Jesus tells is they're, they're, they're sort of cryptic. They make you step back, and they make you sort of catch your breath and cause you to think and, and pay attention. Really, they're invitations. Because here's the deal. Jesus isn't going to force anything on anyone. He's not going to force the issue. You don't have to listen and enter into the story if you don't want to. So really, these stories are just invitations. They're an invitation for us to just stop, just for a moment, and really Pay attention for a while. So what we're going to do is, is listen to the story again. I'm going to retell it, and then we're going to enter into it, and, uh, and let's just see what happens. Okay? So there's this farmer. Like, he doesn't have a name. Jesus seems to be just making it up. Like, he doesn't have a name. He's just some farmer dude. And he goes out to sow his seed. And the method he uses is, is well, it's interesting. It's a... Uh, maybe a bit unconventional. He just sort of, he just starts scattering it, right? We'll come back to that a little bit later. But some of the seed, some of the seed fell along the path. 
And since the, the ground was well trodden from people's feet, there wasn't much soil there, so it couldn't get buried, and the birds came along, and they had themselves a nice meal, right? Well, that's a bummer. Some of the seed's gone now. Well, now also, some of the seed fell among the rocky places. Again, it's rocky. There's not a whole bunch of soil there. So it can't get buried, but it's protected enough so the birds can't come. But then it starts to grow, and these little seedlings start growing up. But, but since it has no root, the sun comes out and scorches it to death. Well, that's a bummer, too. Where's this story going, Jesus? And then there's this other batch of seed. It lands among... It lands among the thorns, and like those thorns are really nasty and apparently a lot stronger than the little seedlings, and so they eventually just choke the, the little plants out and they die too. Okay, another bummer. But then, but then, listen to this, some of the seed, some of the seed lands on really good soil, and it produces a crop. Sometimes a hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirty times that which was sown. Really good fruit, good crops, and it's beautiful. So that's the story. If you got ears, hear it. Okay, so, so let's enter into the story. Um, I'm going to try to help us enter into the story as, as best I can. You know what it's like to sow seed. Right? Like, you've probably sown some seed. But here's the deal. I'm not a farmer. The story's about a farmer. I've been to a farm, but, but I've never done the work of a farmer. So on that level, I can't really relate. Some of you would know a lot more about that than, than I would. I'm also not a gardener. Like, I've been to gardens. I've maybe pulled some weeds in a garden. I've watched... I've watched Renee grow tomatoes in big pots out on our back deck, and I've seen that happen, but I've never done the work of a gardener. But, but I do know what it's like to plant seed. I know what it's like to plant grass seed. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm good at planting grass seed. I'm not even afraid to boast about it. I'm just going to brag about it. I'm really good at planting lawns. A couple of years ago, we did some work in our in our yard and it left us with these big patches of just bare ground where there was grass before, now there is no grass. I'm talking big sections of our yard. And, and so instead of spending a gazillion dollars on sod and laying that down and watering it, we decided, you know what, let's save some money. Let's plant some grass seed. We could do this. So we bought some good soil, we spread that out. Then we got some really good seed, and I put it in my spreader, you know, the fertilizer spreader. We spread the seed around, and then the, the most fun part was we had extra seed, and I got to walk around on the dirt and soil and just sort of fling it around and, and put a whole ton of seed down there. And I think I even got Micah to help me. We just threw all this seed down. I, I wanted a really good thick lawn. And then we got the fertilizer. We spread that on top of the seed and the soil, and after that, I took a rake. And I buried it, because if you don't bury it, the water starts getting on it, it'll flow all over and the seed will go to one spot. You don't want that happening. So you want to bury it so that the seed and the fertilizer does its work underground. And then the last thing you do is you water it, and you water it, and you water it some more. You make sure that this is really wet. It's got enough water so that the sun and soil and fertilizer and the seeds, they all can just do their thing. And you know what happened? After a while, the seed grew. 
for real. And it was a great lawn, and now we've got this great turf. It's a little dry now because we haven't had much rain, but eventually it will come back. It's really good turf. We did everything right. We followed all the steps. We put down good soil, planted it in there, and now we've got a beautiful lawn. You've planted seeds before, right? You know what that's like. Maybe tomato, maybe peas, I don't know. You've grown stuff before. We'll come back to that a little bit later. First, let's talk about the soil. Let's talk about the different types of soil because that seems to be the point of the parable, doesn't it? At least that's what Jesus makes it seem like. It's, it's like he's looking around at that crowd and uh, he's looking at some confused faces and, and he's like, man, I better, I better tell them what this whole parable is about because clearly they're not quite there yet. So he begins to explain it to them. He says this, when anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. That's like the birds coming and snatching away the seeds on the path. And then he says this, the one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places, well, that's the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but, but there's not depth. There's no, there's no root system there, so it just kind of goes away. And then the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns, well, well that's like someone who, who hears it and probably understands it really well. But then the worries of this life come along, and it's interesting, he talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. That's an interesting thing you could talk about later if you want to, but... But the, like the worries, of, like the pressures from the outside come in and it becomes too much and, and it sort of, you know, sort of falls away and it doesn't make any difference. But then, but then the one who received the word, the seed that fell on good soil, well, that's the one who hears it and understands it, is transformed by it. And they begin to sort of bear all this fruit that's just offered to the world for free. Like an apple tree. It bears fruit. It's like free apples. Come get some. And it's just giving it away. Fruit just like that. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay. So if you're anything like me, you've read this story and, and you've focused entirely on the different types of soil, right? I'll, I'll tell you, for me as a pastor, I do this. I do this all the time. Like, I focus really hard on on the soil. Like, I've wondered many, many times, all the time. In fact, sometimes I obsess about it. I I, I wonder about the type of soil at Renew. How much of it is hard? How much of it is rocky? How many thorns do we have? How much good soil? I wanna, I wanna pay attention to the, to the soil, to make sure that we have really good soil here around Renew so that we can, we can grow up and bear all sorts of really awesome fruit around here. I mean, we've got all kinds of really good children's stuff and all kinds of really good volunteers who pay attention to the soil so that our children, the youngest among us, can, can have some really good dirt to play in, some really good soil to play in so that they can begin to grow and mature. 
Like we've got little pots of soil that gather right now virtually, but in different places, we call them pods. Some churches call them life groups or small groups, but we've got them, we've got them in different parts and good soil. Emily takes really good care of the leaders, making sure that they have everything that they need to, to make sure that the soil is good so that people can learn and grow and, and mature. We have a focus team too. Uh, they're there to lead alongside of us staff members and they help us make sure that we really pay attention to the soil around here at Renew so that, so that, so that we can all grow. We work really hard and we almost obsess about the soil. Right? And I think that's okay. And maybe if you're like me, you bump up against this little story and, and there's something about it that makes you walk away and you feel a little discouraged. You feel a little discouraged about your, your, your life of faith. If you're like me, you do. It's almost as if this story judges us. Like, this story's judging us. Like, it makes us feel inadequate. It makes us feel maybe a little bit anxious about our spiritual lives. We wonder, we wonder how do we make our soil less hard, less rocky, less thorny? And so we do all kinds of things to sort of try to fix the soil of our lives. I think you've done this. I've done this. We make all sorts of promises. We make deals with God, we make promises with one another, we tell our family that we're going to do all sorts of things to, to make sure that the soil's a little bit better, and we decide to do some things differently. Like, I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to Facebook less, because that just makes me anxious. It's a highly anxious space, so I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to Facebook less. I'm going to read the Bible more, and I'm going to Twitter less. I'm going to listen to Christian podcasts more, Christian music more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some good Christian books more, and I'm going to Netflix less. And we make all sorts of, of decisions like that. We've all done that. We've all made those promises. We've all made these sort of deals with God, right? I'm going to do this, and I'm expecting you to do something and grow something in me, God. We read this parable, and... We, we sometimes read it as an indictment on our own life of faith, our own relationship with the divine. It's almost as if the divine can't find enough good soil in our lives to, to really bear some good fruit. So our lives are just too messed up. So we, so we really obsess about the soil, right? I think that's okay. I think that's a good thing. I think we should all probably do our best to make sure that we're, we're, we're paying attention to the soil in our lives, because we want good soil. We want to bear fruit. Honest self-assessment of our spiritual lives, I think, is good. I think it's necessary. Um, but I think if that's the only thing we do with this story, well, I think we're missing out on a really large part of it maybe the largest part of it, maybe the most astonishing thing about this story, because here's the deal. We don't call this the parable, the four different types of soil, because that's not what this parable is ultimately about. And that would be a really bad and boring title for a parable. Like if somebody said, I'm gonna tell you the parable of the four different types of soil, you'd be like, turn brain off. 
No, this is called the parable of the sower. We call this the parable of the sower because, well, Jesus calls it the parable of the sower. We also call this the parable of the sower because we come from a long tradition that tells us that this parable, and most of them, are a lot less about us. And this parable is a whole lot more about the nature and character of the divine. This story is the parable of the sower. This story is a parable about, about God. This is about God's kingdom. This is about God's provision. This is about God's absolutely stunningly absurd amount of generosity. That's what this story is really about, if we're paying attention to it. Okay. Back to the grass seed. We did everything right. <laughs> we followed all the rules. We got good soil. We got good seed. We buried the seed. We fertilized the seed. Then we, then we watered it and watered it and watered it some more. And what happened? We got good grass. Good turf. Because we did everything the way you were supposed to do it. Right? Now... I'm going to take a moment here uh, to kind of take a time out, just, just for a moment, and I'm going to risk offending Jesus. So hang with me for a second. Dude, you would have been a terrible farmer, like the worst, a really horrible farmer. Like, you've told all sorts of different stories about farming and planting seeds and stuff, and none of them go the way they're supposed to go. None of them go the way they're supposed to go. You would have been a horrible farmer. You don't let the weeds grow up with the wheat. You've got to take care of the weeds, or else the wheat is going to get choked out. See the story you just told. That's a story that he tells a little bit later on about wheat growing up with weeds. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway... Seriously, you don't just throw seed everywhere. You throw seed on good soil. That's the only place you throw seed. That's it. You sow seed on good soil. Otherwise, you're wasting seed. What are you thinking? Like, it's a really good thing that mommy and daddy, Jesus' parents, you know, Mary and Joseph, it's a really good thing they brought him up at first to be a carpenter because if they would have brought him up to be a farmer, he would have had to have his second gig being a rabbi a whole lot sooner than when the time was right, right? It's a good thing he was a carpenter and not a farmer because seriously, look at the story. I mean, this farmer is just flinging fistfuls of seed everywhere, like willy-nilly, just Throwing seed wherever. Picture it. Picture it today. Picture a farmer walking around with a couple of really big baskets of seed. Just flinging seeds in meadows and fields. Flinging seeds in sidewalks and parking lots and back alleys in some city. Flinging seed in children's playgrounds. What is he doing? What in the world? And here's the crazy part about the story that Jesus tells. Dude doesn't even care. He's just flinging seed wherever he wants to. Right? He knows that what will grow will grow. Maybe not all at once, maybe not everywhere, but you know what? He doesn't seem to care. That's okay. In other words, 
The sower in the story, the farmer in the story, doesn't care where the seed lands. He isn't concerned at all where the seed lands. He just keeps singing, sowing, flinging fistfuls of seed wherever, all over. Why? I think, because there's a lot of seed, and there's a, enough seed to go around. Like, there's so much seed. There are so many little packets of grace that, that there's enough to throw everywhere. To, there's enough that, that he can even waste it if he wants to. Just everywhere. Friends, that's just the nature and the character of the divine. That's what this story is about. That's just the absolutely absurd generosity of God. Just flinging grace everywhere. Okay. So what? Okay, two quick things and then I'll be done. First, according to this book, we're literally called the body of Christ. As Jesus people. That's what we're called. That means that we represent, in a very real way, the presence of the divine the presence of Jesus in the world. Wouldn't it be great if we walked around in this world like the farmer in this story? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, wouldn't it be great if that's what we were known for? Like we would just go out into the world with this sort of gentle, loving confidence into all the hard places, into all the rocky places, into all the, the thorny places in this world, and, and we would just spread little packets of grace everywhere. I mean, the world, if we did that, the world would look at us, and instead of finding us abrasive, judgmental and exclusive. Like the world would see things like love and mercy and, and justice, humility, and truthfulness, and just an astounding amount of grace. I think that would be cool. Really cool. I mean, we occasionally get it right. But wouldn't it be great if that's what we were really known for? I mean, what we're really known for is judging the soil. Eh, that soil's not good. That soil's not good. We're really good at being, at being the moral police. But wouldn't it be good if we just were representations of that farmer? Just throwing grace out willy-nilly because, look, there's enough of it to go around. Wouldn't it be great if that's what we are known for? Not for our sake. Not for us. But for the sake of the world, which I think is just dying for a whole lot more fruit. Okay, that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. I think this story speaks to an overwhelming availability of the divine. That's what I think it communicates to us. Like, there's grace everywhere. Literally, everywhere. God is just flinging it out there willy-nilly. 
You know, we love to separate the world into two different spaces. We do this all the time. We separate the world into sacred spaces and secular spaces. I mean, this space right here, even though it's virtual, this space right here, we expect God to show up. We expect grace to meet us here. Because this is a sacred space. Everywhere else, well, we seem to think that everywhere else is just secular space. Like in here is good soil, and, and out there is, is hard, rocky, and thorny. But here's the deal. The whole thing belongs to the farmer. The whole thing belongs to the farmer. Who are we to judge the quality of the soil anyway? This means we can meet grace. We can bump up against the divine wherever it is we are, whenever it is we are there. If we're only, if we're only paying attention, are we paying attention? So here's my hope. My hope is that we just walk away from this story this morning and, and we pay a little bit more attention to the presence of the divine in our own lives. My hope is that we'll all begin to understand the absolutely absurd generosity of the divine, just flinging grace everywhere. And my hope is, is that we'll all represent that generosity in the world. And that's all I got to say this morning. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for, for this story. Thanks for the craziness of it. And God, we know that, that we probably ought to spend some time paying attention to our soil, making sure that it's, it's good soil. But God, sometimes we can be preoccupied with that and we can become anxious about that. And then and when we become anxious about our own soil, then we become anxious and judgmental about other people's soil. And so we just pay attention too much to the soil. If we just take our focus for a moment and place it on the sower. Help us to do that, God. Help us to, to pay attention to you. You're just out there flinging grace everywhere and you want us in on the action. Help us to be that kind of people who represent you well in this world. And I think, I think we'll find that as we give this grace away, as we give these little seeds away, I think we'll find that there's just way more than enough to go around. Do what you need to do in us, God. Amen. Let's sing together.